Have you ever been watching a bad movie and thought to yourself, wow, any half-drunk jackass could come up with a better pitch than this? Well, have I got a podcast recommendation for you. The Film Rescue Show is a podcast that does exactly that. They take a movie, break down what worked and what didn't, and then pitch a new, sometimes better version. And if you're interested but don't know which episode to start with, I've been on some of the best, such as Red Dawn, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, Hellboy, Warcraft, Scott Pilgrim. You can find all these and The Film Rescue Show either by searching for The Film Rescue Show or Jaguar Shark on your favorite podcasting site. Hello and welcome back to what we are calling bolters. Why are we calling these bolters? Because they're rapid fire and only last about 24 to 30 minutes. I'm Orchmander Orc and with me as always is... Your shield brother, Axel Wright. How's it going today, man? Is going okay. We did just do a recording that didn't get saved. I'm not going to point fingers. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of our faults. But So we're warmed up. Let's say that. <laughs> I tempted the Omnisci and the Omnisci said, oh... You shouldn't have done that. Here's what I will say. I mentioned multiple times in that lost recording that I just finished watching Strange New Worlds, Star Trek Strange New Worlds. And if you're out there and you like Star Trek at all, any of it, anywhere, and you haven't seen Strange New Worlds yet, which has two seasons, fucking go watch. It's it's amazing. Secondly, because Ulrich has no particular connection to Star Trek, so I'm not going to harp on that one. But the other thing that I saw recently that I know Ulrich does like that I can bring up is I finally watched season one of Ted Lasso. Hey, it's a fun show. Yeah, while my girlfriend and I were visiting Wretched, we we all we sat down in one sitting and binged the whole season one. It's very bingeable. It is. It is also a Superman show. It is completely a a. They could have called it Coach Clark Kent, and that would be accurate. Okay, it real is quick, just Superman because I've been playing this in my head. Assign very Superman roles to the characters in the show. I already did, and I was planning to say it. I was talking about this earlier, so. For anyone who doesn't know, Ted Lasso is a show, and it got really big during the pandemic specifically on Apple TV, but Ted Lasso is a show about a American football coach who gets hired in uh, England. I forgot what the town he's in. London. To, it's in London? He's in London. It's in a suburb of Whatever. He's coaching a soccer oh, team. The British people can what? yell at us like, it's pork in Hampshire. Yeah, okay, yeah. sure, whatever. And from this point forward, I'm going to call it football because – they're playing football, what we play is American football, and I I believe that because the world sport. Anyway, so he's coaching football over there, and the show is predicated on the idea that he is just the nicest, best person in a very cynical, not great place, and his his optimism slowly wins over everyone around him and makes things better. It really is the antithetical me show, and I'd, I'm so far like, I don't know, I just, I just love this, even though it is so anti-me to my core. Which already, that alone, is what makes it a Superman show. A show about a inhumanly good person who makes the world around them better through their inhuman goodness is the definition of a flat character arc show, and Superman specifically. Now, Ted Lasso, obviously, is our Clark Kent Superman, to the point where he's from Kansas. They aren't trying to hide it. He's fucking Clark Kent. Anyway, the uh, Nathan, the guy who starts as a... Uh, ball boy essentially is jimmy olsen yeah he is literally a picked on uh character by the rest of them who has like no confidence who then befriends our superman character and through his friendship with him gets more confidence gets more responsibility and gets more full as a as a person the owner of the team you might think is lois lane but is not 
and there's actually a different character that fits that for a very specific reason. I'll get to that. No, the owner is basically Perry White, a more modern version of Perry White, but still the concept of I own the thing that we're all doing together, and I have my own kind of jadedness about it, but my own kind of goals about it. But again, through, in Superman's case, seeing the earnestness of a good reporter like Clark Kent, and here seeing the earnestness of Ted Lasso come around to revitalizing my love or spirit of the thing in reporting versus football. The her ex-husband, Mannion, is Lex Luthor, yep. straight up to the straight up to the point where he uses his charisma and money in order to try to fuck over every and control everyone around him <laughs> and then the whole place, essentially. Now, the one that makes it real key for me, because Ted Lasso Superman, that's obvious. But the, the question I thought was, all right, who's Lois Lane? It's Roy Kent. Really? Yeah. Now, that might seem weird. I've seen some people say Roy Kent is Batman to yeah, Ted Lasso. Well, that's the Superman. obvious one. And that and I can see that, but I feel like Ted Lasso is more doing a straight Superman thing than doing a more DC thing. And here's the reason why Roy Kent is Lois Lane. Both characters are characters that in the the professional space that our, our protagonist enters, they are the experienced lead one, the cynic, and the one who puts up... Sorry, dog. And the one who does not put up with anyone's shit. The way Roy Kent basically tells everyone to fuck off and that he's, you know, the captain and whatnot is the exact same way Lois Lane puts up with no other reporter's bullshit, doesn't let Perry White push her around, and goes after the stories that she wants to go after. Also, their cynicism is literally the direct initial obstacle to our optimistic character. Ted Lasso himself calls out specifically that Roy Kent is the first domino that has to go down for what they're doing at the football team to work in a same way Clark Kent has to first get the head reporter, the literal representation of modern cynicism in a Superman story, to believe in Superman and Clark Kent's goodness in order for her to become his biggest advocate to the rest of Metropolis. Roy Kent fits the same narrative place as Lois Lane. I'm not going into any stupid ship thing. That's not what I'm here about. I just mean from a narrative standpoint, his role in the story to Ted Lasso's to Ted Lasso Superman is the same as Lois Lane. And it's funny because you haven't finished the show yet, but when you will, you will see how incredibly spot on you were. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> I mean, there's a little thing. Now, I would make the argument that Coach Beard is Batman as our eccentric weirdo. I thought about that too. I haven't found a good thing that I think Coach Beard really is, but he, he's my, my, my weakest stretch so far. No, he, he fits as a good Batman. It's like, Batman is an eccentric weirdo. And I don't know. I don't know Superman's rogues gallery as well. But yeah, no, I loved uh, Ted Lasso. That was my, again, a lot of people's happy place show. And ironically, much like Bat, uh, Superman, people have kind of turned on it going, it's too positive. Yeah, I, I love me a positive show. I, I'm a big fan of that. I mean, we've got things like Steven Universe and whatnot, too, for the same reasons. Anyway, we actually weren't planning to talk about Ted Lasso during this particular recording, but I just had to get that out there because the Ted Lasso Superman thing has been in my head for a week at this point. Hey, we're going to do a little bit of sugar before we remind our listeners of something terrible. So, yeah, we did the Ted Lasso effect. We got something positive. Now we got to do the negative. We're going to talk about Dawn of War. All right, Dawn of War 3. I have not actually played Dawn of War 3, but I've nope. watched a lot of it played. Yeah, that was, that was, I was excited for it along with everyone else. And then it came out and like a lot of the early things were like, I don't like the animations. I don't like this. Like, oh, that, that, that's not bad. I can live with that. And then more stuff came out. I'm like, oh, that. I'll, I'll be very... I can live with that. Uh, my reaction to it was literally that Simpsons joke of Homer and the Pig. It's just a little mud. It's still good. It's still good. 
enough time has passed and the game was forgettable enough, I kind of forgot of all of it. But I'm excited for New Dawn of War because Dawn of War was really one of the pinnacle Warhammer games there for a while because no one else made them. And those that did were mobile games. So for anyone who doesn't know, because there are a lot of new Warhammer fans. That, a lot of but, new Warhammer games have come out since. Yeah. Dawn of War was actually the first Warhammer thing I got into. Like, it got me into the lore. before, Way before I got deep into it, I was playing Dawn of War. Like, when it was just a video game for me. Yep. So so that first Dawn of War, it's, it is an RTS, pretty much a straight one, a real-time strategy game, where you play as, I think, originally five different well, factions. Well, we're talking the first one. You just played as Space Marines, and it was a narrative. Okay, in the most original. In the most yeah. expansion, which added Gar. And then, with Dark Crusade... Dark Crusade is the best version of it. Uh, if you don't count the Apocalypse mod, which I don't because it's awesome, but it's not yeah, it's an official release. Yeah, Dark Crusade, and then there was Soulstorm, and then there Soulstorm was... Soulstorm is not as good as Dark Crusade, though, yeah. for a reason. It, it, it's, but... it's fine, but not... then let's just run through it quick. There was Dawn of War 2, and Dawn of War 2 Chaos Rising, and then Dawn of War 2 Retribution. And these are all 40k games, specifically. All some flavor of RTS. Yeah, and the original, the flavor of RTS was fairly similar to what you might expect from things like I might. It's funny for me, the base standard. I don't know what you'd call that brass standard because not like the gold standard, but just the Age of Empires two is my like. This is the most fundamental RTS I ever played. So I imagine all RTSs as some sort of. It's got a rock paper scissors mechanic. Uh, some sort of evolution. Yeah, some sort of evolution of Age of Empires is what yeah. I see in any RTS. So it, it has got a lot of that same stuff there. You would pick your faction. You'd start off with a a leader character, a a builder or two, a bait, and then a base building. And then you would go and build stuff. Now, in original Dawn of War, the way resources function was uh, new to me because the only RTS that I had played were Age of Empires and StarCraft. Funny enough, StarCraft is actually going to be a Warhammer game, but that's a different story. And in those games, you have a finite number of resources on the map, and you have to basically make do with those. Re I know there are actually, yeah, there are actually kind of like, and no, there's a whole bunch of, but yeah, there's exceptions to that because there are like buildings that generate things. But for the most part, it was all right. Go farm those crystals. Go chop down those trees. That's what you use. But since Dawn of War was adapting a tabletop game. They chose to take the idea of objectives from the tabletop game and turn that into your resource. There are two main resources. One of them is command points. So you got to go out and you got to get a objective. You got to put a flag on it. And as you have it, it just continuously generates command points. Everyone you, you get, there's no limit to the number. So, and then the second resource is basically the same thing. It's like, it's like it's gas power. or something. Yeah. Yeah. And I was gonna say suddenly ninth edition makes so much more sense. Yeah. And what ended up, but that meaning is that it didn't matter necessarily how much resources you had. It was how fast are you generating them? Because created, speed of generating. Uh, it created a moving battlefront, which was really cool and really novel. It wasn't just a rush to build the most workers. It was like, okay, you're going to play conservatively and try and, you know, build a strong front line. Are you going to play and, aggressively and go grab a bunch of points, even though you can't hold them all? And the way they adapted the concept of, like, different things having different point values in the tabletop is that you had caps. Now, this is, again, very normal in, R in RTSs in general to have caps for the number of units you can build. But caps uh, in Dawn of War were, like, based on 
different types of there were two different kinds of caps there was infantry cap and vehicle cap and you could increase them by building certain buildings yeah no, it was it really kind of yeah. was a revolutionary new rts and, and to all... give you an example the 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 smallest army would probably like and by that i just mean if you had a full complement uh if you were playing like necrons probably a full complement you might have i don't know 50 or 60 necrons on the on the map and if you're playing the orcs who are the biggest you might have something more like 200 something like that something like that but it was fun because it took the core concept of what a lot of rts's were doing and then it changed lots of little things and then of course it came with a heavy dose of warhammer goodness i think one of the first yeah. things it did was the more of the games you owned then you unlock those factions in multiplayer, which is a brilliant strategy we've seen other games, cough, cough, total war, use. And it's just, it was a great marketing thing. And it's a lot of fun games. Plus it was heavily praised for its audio and it's, but it's both its music and its voice lines, which yeah. did a, a long way towards selling the tone of, of Warhammer. Yeah. And then we get Dawn of War 2 and its various spinoffs, which kind of went in a different-ish direction. It went in a very different direction. Dawn of War 2 instead of going down a conventional RTS stand direction, basically is a semi-MOBA, kind of. You, kind yes, of you are picking a faction. It kind of leaned on their other success in the Company of Heroes of, we're going to focus on squads of heroes and small unit control and squad-based tactics. Yeah, so instead of having, like, build a city, generate an army, it's more like you have a, a tactical squad that gets a point that has a set number of things that it can construct on that point, and then you want to go get go get the other point. So it still has this like point thing, like from the first one, but they serve a vitally oh, different. Document later ones. I mean, the very first Dawn of War two was it was nervous. Here's your squad, an RPG element like upgrade your squad, but go and do these missions, different yeah. type of missions, very squad based. And then the first expansion, no, the first expansion was just more story. The last expansion added in, okay, you can either do heroes or you can do squads. And there's a little bit of light base building, but it really wasn't base building. But it tried something new. And mm -hmm. then we get to Dawn of War 3. Which is StarCraft 2. It's what it is. It's, there. there's no really no getting around it. Dawn of War 3 is almost a clone of StarCraft 2 and not a very good one. No, it, 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 well, it, see, what's always made the Dawn of War games good is it, Felt like you were playing in the universe. It had a little bit of the tabletop influence, and it tried to do something new. Dawn of War Three went well. Starcraft is popular. Mobas are popular. What if we combine those two things? Yeah, I mean, it didn't even really have the mobile elements. It was basically just straight Starcraft Two. Well, they, <laughs> they did the big hero, big stompy hero effect. Yeah, but kind of again, from the previous ones, but the night being yeah. able to call down the night felt very Moba-ish. I mean, it just made me think of like a Colossus from Starcraft Two. So yeah. Anyway, point is that it was it didn't feel yeah it didn't feel like it was trying to do something new or even trying to do something that it had done before it just felt like a carbon copy of a different franchise and that felt very that inherently feels disappointing additionally it released with only three playable factions which yep. were very obviously carbon copies of terran protoss and zerg except in this case it was what's Space Marine, Eldar, and Orcs, yeah. which already is like, you're going to copy Zerg. <laughs> you could have caught. Anyway. And I mean, it could be argued, well, the first game only launched with Space Marines and Chaos and Eldar, but yeah, but it also had a really good story that went all the way through. This one had you jump between the missions between Orcs, Eldar, Space Marines, 
and they weren't so Donna war one also Donna war one was in basically brand new territory as far as warhammer video games were concerned so it can get away with having launching kind of light Donna war three on the other hand is the third primary release game in a franchise with multiple expansions already and a lot and if you want to do limited races that's fine but you need to do them well and you need to do them make interesting missions have them play differently and it it didn't ever again I never played this is all what i've seen hearsay speculation stuff i've seen they didn't play different they didn't feel different the missions were bad which is the biggest thing like if you want to do a single race or limited you need to have a really good story or you need to have a really good gameplay and dawn of war 3 didn't have either anyways we're not here to review dawn of war 3 we're talking about what dawn of war 3 should have been or conversely what we'd want from a dawn of war 4 yeah and I'm going to surprise, I think, no one by saying that, honestly, I feel like going back to their roots with Dawn of War 1 would probably be the best bet, especially yep. in the current setting. Like I know Dawn of War 2 has a lot of fans. But there's a reason that the Dawn of War 1 Apocalypse mod is still as popular as it is. Dawn of War 2 is fun. It's got a great story. All the expansions are great, but it's not Dawn of War 1. And it's also like, do you like Space Marines? No? Well, this game's got nothing for you. Here's also something, and now I'm sure there are other RTSs that do this, but this was the first RTS I experienced to do this. Dawn of War 1 Dark Crusade has a campaign that, first of all, is just really fun as it is. Basically, it's every faction on this one planet, Kronos, and they're trying to just take it over. And you have this basically Risk-style top board, and as you take over various territories from the opponents, they each territory gives you some kind of boon, whether it's a a royal guard that you get to start every battle with and to the point where you can have basically have a almost a full army before you even start building anything Which, that was another thing that dawn of war did where other rts's didn't of if you had territory you had a little bodyguard so you kind of got an advantage so sometimes in the late game you could just bum rush your enemy like haha i'm starting with a full army get fucked and then more importantly this is the thing i was going to get at if you built things in a territory they stayed in that territory throughout different battles until they were destroyed, which is something they took out in Soulstorm for some reason. So admittedly, it was a mechanic for Sisters of Battle. I mean, admittedly, it was very uneven because what ended up happening is I play orcs in Dark Crusade and most of the factions can only build a limited number of buildings as well like there's a cap on that it's a hidden cap though they don't tell you what it is and that's true for orcs as well but orcs can build as many wa banners as they want and wa banners function as turrets yep so i so i would fill the fucking board with wa banners so that when i get attacked later on i basically already have a ridiculous number of rocket towers built and i love that it was just fun to watch <laughs> yeah so no what dawn of war 3 should have been what dawn of war 4 could be dawn of war 4 we'll talk about well let's address it here dawn of war 4 is going to have to compete with the warhammer total war 40k and it's honestly it's it's probably not going to be able to at this point it just no that's kind of thing, like listen 40 warhammer is going to be able to do a lot of this well so let's just go back in time and say hey they made dawn of war 3 how'd they do it they took dawn of war dark crusade they polished it up and they went here you go we added some new units we fixed some problem path and wrote a good story yes like honestly it how do i put this there are some game franchises that can more easily get away with little innovation with doing something very the same every time you but you can get away with it by crafting new story or crafting new pokemon you know, like there are other things that fall into this category of like why you get that. And I think Donna worked have been the same thing. Like I don't need 
additional Dawn of War games to play dramatically differently, even though Dawn of War 2 is fun, but giving me more factions, different units, different planets, different stories, totally that. Yeah. It, it should have gone, it could have gone bigger. That was the thing, was it could have been bigger, it could have opened up more worlds. We could have had more complete rosters because units had been added, things had changed, factions had been reworked. Um, you could have, there's a lot you could have done. And that's the thing that's most frustrating is like, listen, you obviously didn't know what to do since you just copied what you thought was popular. Like, I don't know why you didn't go back and do Dawn of War, any of them again. Because Dawn of War in itself is good. It's dated in a lot of ways, but it's still at its core very good. The only real problem is pathfinding is god-awful. Yeah. And the difficulty spikes scare Well, so the way the difficulty is set up in that game, if you're playing the Dawn of War 1 and you're Dark Crusade and you're playing the campaign, you've got your three difficulties of, you know, easy, normal, hard, whatever. But they give if you're playing on easy then it like halves the health and resistance and damage of all enemies and if you're playing on hard it like more than doubles it so the sheer gradient of if you're playing on hard and you're going up against chaos in dark crusade and they get two defilers out you're basically fucked yeah and that's what i mean like i've gone back and like normal is too easy Hard is a nightmare of attrition, which I think that could be a fun mechanic, but not like this. I don't quite know what it is, but I well, like the idea of fighting over the territory and making small gains. We need a better gradient. Uh, there's it a does. game that came. There's a there's a game that came out just recently called Remnant Two that I don't play, but Wretched Giraffes plays a lot, and he was showing me that there's actually an interesting controversy right now. That game has I think four difficulties. It's basically got like normal, hard veteran and impossible and people are complaining that impossible is too hard and they were like like we called it fucking impot like it's yeah. meant for people who don't want to <laughs> it's supposed to be ridiculous that's the point of it <laughs> so like having a gradient so that you can find where you're comfortable i'm very pro difficulty settings in general i think it's a fucking video game you spent money on it enjoy it play the way you want to play it yeah no that's the other thing we've kind of like is there are ways to like okay what are the difficulty to be build speed unit health unit armor stuff like that but let's also talk about something else if we are continuing the timeline dawn of war to retribution kind of left a big okay what next for the blood angel like that has been the chapter space we've been following it was the chapter blood ravens blood ravens sorry it was the chapter for thq and they kind of go the chapter has been decimated by chaos what happens now like that's an interesting story hook what does happen now and also they set up stories for other races in other games of like and what happened with this character what's the orc character that's in all the games gore guts head hunter yeah like let's bring him back so if you did want to do three like cool we've got david thule what happened to him the orc character's back tyranids I want to see Tyranids. Tyranids would have been fun. That's the other thing of you just could have made Dawn of War 3, but with a bigger unit cap and bigger maps. Yeah. I mean, I'm basically pitching Warhammer 40k Total War, which again, that's a comparison that's always going to be made because the games are very close. But they could have gone. And the reason the reason why you would play a Dawn of War game over a Total War game is for the the speed of building you're basically getting rid of the entire concept of the turn-based aspect of it and you now have a pure rts experience where you're trying to in quote-unquote real time build up a city and a army to go against someone else like that is the yeah. only thing that well, okay i'm not gonna say only thing but it's the main reason why you would play a dawn of war over a total war 
Well, the games also were fun. Like one of the most fun things is when you're in an intense firefight and you're on that tipping point and you're smashing the uh, recruit new unit button on your squad to try and get like, okay, one guy died. Let's get it back up. Come on, come on, come on. That frantic firefight feel is oh. there in a total war game. So you learn the uh, auto auto recruit mechanic, but yeah. <laughs> no, still, but there's little elements like that. Like, no, no, this has a tactical, and they did a lot with Dawn of War 2, where like, okay, now you can station buildings. Now cover matters. That's the crazy thing. They had the format in their Company of Heroes game, which is a World War II one, that's just like, yeah, just drape Warhammer skin over that. Yeah. I agree. It's right there. Why they did what they did makes no sense. Yeah. I'm interested in what other people have to say, people who actually spent time with Dawn of War 3, because I haven't looked at people even really talk. I like say I've watched some it let's plays and, and it but, really was like, oh, this is bad. And now I'm But we it. but we live in a golden era now of Warhammer That's games. So we we don't have to go, well, this is it, because there's so much else. And we're now we're getting what is essentially an Age of Sigmar Dawn of War game. Yeah, that's a really interesting one to see. Like, there it is. That is Dawn of War 4 right there because it's using a lot of the same stuff. Like, yeah, because it's a good mechanic. That moving front is a brilliant system for your economy. I mean, there, that... the base building was super simple. It wasn't overly complex, which is, it was, in a lot of ways, it was a very simplified RTS that's like, okay, the fun part of the RTS is the combat. I'll well, I also, things. admittedly, one of my favorite things to do was if you're playing Orc, there is a, a upgrade you can get in tier two buildings that makes it so that regular boys recruit for free. And so then you get that upgrade and then you make every building that's capable of recruiting them just have auto recruit toggled on. And then you just put their, their uh, rally point, which is where they go as soon as they spawn just inside the enemy base. Now those boys suck and they can't like do much on their own but it's a constant stream of them going into the enemies. Then you can just use a couple of vehicles to do like tactical things while they're just dealing with this constant stream of boys. And it's really fun to look at. And that's what I'm talking about. Like that is a mechanic that could just be fun. It's like, Hey, if you are defending this section, it's a defensive mission. You have to hold the line against waves of AI generated enemies. Mm -hmm. That could be really interesting. The maps, like that's kind of what they could do. And they did do very well is it didn't have a mission, but it did. It's like, okay, you're fighting in this area. This area comes with this mission. So it's really about taking what worked in the previous Dawn of Wars and doing it in the new Dawn. Agreed. I Sorry, know. I don't have anything more complicated to say about that. <laughs> that's that's basically what I would... Because I would still... I, I would play... A little bit. Because otherwise you're just releasing the same game again. Yeah, sure. But that's the frustrating thing, is like, you didn't have to do that much. It really was right there. Yeah, and I want to hear what our listeners who actually played Dawn of War 3 have to say about it. What good stuff about it would be worth, like, carrying through? Because, again, I, I don't know enough. Knights. Sure. Well, again, Apocalypse Mod introduces Titans. but Yeah, which I have mixed feelings. I'm like, okay, listen, you guys are just breaking the knobs off. But that said, it would be cool to have Titans as a factor if you could balance around it. I don't know. It seems like what people wanted was more, and we didn't get more. Yeah. Anyway. That's it, guys. There's not a whole lot we can really say. It's just... Dawn of War 3 should have been better than it was. Yeah, uh, well, big asterisks apparently should have been better than it was, or at least different. Different. Different is the big one. It's like, you had so much goodwill. You could have done so much. I just, I'm listening to us talk, and I'm like, I can easily see someone being like, well, you guys didn't play. You have no idea what you're talking about. And you know what? I, right, I'm not going to argue. Because the game wasn't engaging enough. 
yeah, I'm not going to argue with, like with someone about that. I'm not going to say they're wrong. I, I, I watched it played and I have, I played a lot of Donald War one and two and it just didn't catch interest at all. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm not going to get into it. Like it, no one played it for a reason. Yeah. Uh, okay. Thank you for listening. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, do all the things so we don't end up like Dawn of War 3, a forgotten relic of times past. And let us know what platform you'd like us to be on, if it, you know, not this one, which thank you for using this one, whatever it is. As always, it's been Lord Commander Ulrich. And it's Shield Brother Axel Wright. Be sure to tune in next time. And remember, Avitus was the real traitor all along. My recording ended up being... <laughs>